Hi, I'm Richard Byrne. Welcome to episode number 17 of the Practical EdTech Podcast. Today is November 1st, otherwise known as the day after Halloween, the day that all our kids are up and down with sugar highs. And since Halloween has come and gone, let's start today's episode of News and Notes with something about Thanksgiving. Every year, StoryCorps hosts the great Thanksgiving Listen, and it's back for 2019. It is a community-powered effort to encourage people to record stories with elders in their families. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, great-grandparents, whoever you want to interview, to record that interview and save it. And you can publish it, or you can just keep it for yourself. The Great Thanksgiving Listen webpage, which you'll find on StoryCorps.org, has some great tips about how to record. It'll even take you to the StoryCorps app that you can use for recording. And there's an entire section of resources for teachers who want to do the Great Thanksgiving Listen as a classroom project. So it's an exciting project. Check it out. Find it at StoryCorps.org. It's the great Thanksgiving listen. More news and notes this week from Apple. Apple released the AirPod Pro or AirPods Pro. Personally, I'm not terribly excited about it, but I don't get terribly excited about any hardware generally. What I get more excited about, because I want to retire someday, is that Apple released their quarterly earnings report and it beat analyst estimates on both EPS, earnings per share, and revenue, and the stock price has soared to a new all-time high. In fact, as I record this today, as I'm recording it right now, I'll take a look, and I believe it's trading at $251 a share, which isn't too shabby, considering that earlier this year it was trading at about $130 a share. Uh, $253 a share as of 3.30 this afternoon. $254 a share now. Uh, so, not too shabby. Hopefully I can retire someday. Uh, more tech news from the big bohemus of the industry. Google today announced that they've acquired Fitbit. Uh, as I asked my students today, my year three and four students, I asked them, what do you think Google's going to do with all that data that they're going to get through the acquisition of Fitbit? an interesting question about that. More Google stuff. This week, Google published a new video about how search works. It's definitely worth five minutes of your time. It's probably worth sharing with your students as well as a way to, uh, you know, just review how does a web page end up at the top of your search results and why do some web pages show up all the time and some web pages don't show up ever it seems and a couple more little google things here uh, google now has real-time captioning for hangouts meet on ios it was previously available in the website and also on the android app now available in ios the dot news shortcut which is really handy uh, go to docs.news slides.news sheets.new cal.new whole bunch of options for quickly opening new documents or new slides or spreadsheets uh, 
got official support from Google this week. They officially announced it. It's been out for a while, but Google officially announced it this week. If you're looking at the show notes, I'll put the corrected link in there as well. And some fun things to try. Uh, I stumbled across a fun little app called Wordmoji. Wordmoji is a game, and if you're watching the video of this podcast, I'll have it on the screen here. Wordmoji is a game you can play on your iPhone or your Android phone. And you have to guess the book or the show or the song based on the emojis that are shown. Now, it's fun to play, and I put it on my own Android phone. It's fun to play, but it's not terribly school appropriate. But you could do a DIY version, do your own version of it by using a Google spreadsheet and the Flippity add-on. And you could quickly, not quickly, but fairly quickly, make your own version of Wordmoji just using a spreadsheet and the Flippity add-on. I started to do that myself this week just for fun, just to see if it was possible. And sure enough, it is. So check that out. Uh, you can find the app in the App Store. It's a Wordmoji. It's fun. Microsoft, and if you haven't listened to the episode 15 podcast where I had Mike Tolson in from Microsoft, go back and listen to that. Great uh, conversation about accessibility. Microsoft uh, released three new guides to accessibility. And they're worth checking out even if you're not a Microsoft products user. If your school is not a Microsoft environment, uh, still worth checking out because it's good food for thought about making materials accessible to students. And on that note, Nearpod, if you're a Nearpod user, now has Microsoft's Immersive Reader tool built into it. And the last little news and notes item I'd like to share with you is... From Next Vista for Learning, I'm sure I've talked about Next Vista for Learning in the past. It's run by Rushton Hurley, fantastic educator, fantastic speaker. If you get a chance to see him, go see him. Uh, Next Vista for Learning, you find it at nextvista.org, has a new project that they've launched, or a uh, new version of a project. It's called the Service Via Service Via Video Project, and the idea of the project is to get students to record short videos or make short videos, two minutes or so, about people in their communities who are helping others. The videos are, it's not a contest, it's just a video, it's just the purpose of highlighting the good work that people in your communities are doing, doing service for others. So try take a look at it, it's really neat. Microsoft, uh, not Microsoft, <laughs> Next Vista for Learning also does run student video contests. This one's not a contest. This one's just kind of a project. They do have a contest going right now called the Creative Bridge Contest. If you're looking for more of a contest sort of thing, check that out. But Next Vista for Learning is a great source of inspiration for all kinds of video projects. You want to take a look at that. All right, next, let's jump into some thoughts and reflections. It's been a busy week intellectually for me. It's been a busy week uh, intellectually stressful for me. Partly self-induced and partly uh, not so self-induced. So let's start with something I tweeted last Saturday. So last Saturday I tweeted, 
First we had Edu Rockstars, then Ninjas, and now glad Gladiators. How about we just go with Damn Good Teacher and go back to teaching instead of Instagramming and Snapchatting our classrooms? Hashtag Edu Gladiators, hashtag enough with the hashtags. I got a lot of response to that. In fact, I got more response to that tweet than I've had to just about any tweet this year. Uh, tons of people who liked it and some people who were upset by it. Uh, more people that liked it than not. But some people that were upset about by it, a couple of people uh, saying that I was trying to gatekeep, and I wasn't trying to do that. Uh, I, re I reacted kind of emotionally to what I saw as a trending line in my Twitter feed. And this is just my own personal opinion. I find the labels like ninjas, rock stars, pirates, gladiators, I find them all a bit gimmicky. Uh, and, and I hate it when people call me a rock star or a ninja or one of those things. And I have always tried to turn it away or turn it down. Um, if that works for you, great. You know, if you like that thing, more power to you. I'm not here to tell you not to do it or not to use it. I just personally find it kind of gimmicky, and that's all I was trying to express. Maybe I didn't express it in the best way. That's part of the problem with Twitter is it's kind of hard to get a full explanation out there without it, you know, so... You know, apologize to those who took offense to it. That wasn't my intent. I wasn't trying to do any kind of gatekeeping on it. Um, if that's your thing, more power to you. Um, not not here to say don't do it or you know or to say that it's bad. I just personally don't don't like it that much. That's all. Uh, and I've felt that way for for years. Uh, you know, I haven't really enjoyed Twitter chats for many many years in large part because I, I don't feel like it's a great forum for getting full conversations going, getting in-depth conversations going. I just, I feel like a lot of the Twitter chats end up with people trying to show, not showboat a little bit, but uh, you know, yeah, I guess showboat a little bit, grandstand a little bit, uh, you know, prove that they're the smartest person or prove that they have something witty to say. And I just, so that's just my, again, my opinion on it. So, something else from the Twitter world, I guess. Copyright. Uh, this week, I've been dealing with a company called Ednology. And I've dealt with them in the past on the same issue of them republishing my articles in their entirety on their blog without my permission. Now, sometimes I don't get too upset about it if it's on a really sp spammy type of website i know that the website's going to get shut down by uh, you know by the host before too long now, if it's on a generic you know spammy blog.wordpress.com or a spammy you know spammy blog.blogspot.com i know it's going to get shut down before too long by the host anyway so i'm not too worried i don't get too upset about those anymore when it's a company who's trying to sell products and they're using work in their entirety without permission, without attribution, I get upset. And I get even more upset when they start blaming the problem on their RSS feed or, you know, in this case, the owner of Ednology reached out to me to say that uh, it was an error that they made when they were fixing and setting up their new versions of their websites, local versions of their websites, and it won't happen again. Well, I went back through their archives and found that they'd been doing it since July. Uh, so they've gone 
five, four months without checking to see if everything is working properly. My response is, if you own the website, it's your responsibility to make sure you know what's happening on your website. Uh, you know, I double and triple check everything before I make any systematic change to my website, before I publish it. They didn't do that. Uh, then they said, we're working on it. We're going to fix it. And they did for like 12 hours. And then this morning, I found that, once again, they were republishing full articles. And not just mine. They're doing it for other other blogs as well. And so I've been fighting them on that. And it's really quite exhausting. Uh, it's really exhausting. Uh, you know, I, I've tweeted it out a, a bunch of times. And many of you have been very, very great in supporting me on this. And I truly appreciate it. But it is exhausting dealing with this plagiarism and copyright issue. I seem to have to do this every three or four months with another company. And every single time it's, well, we... We didn't set up our RSS feed right, or you know, in the case I had a few months ago, someone blamed me for publishing a full RSS feed. It was my fault because I had a full RSS feed. Uh, that's not, you know. Uh, and then I found a, a school leadership 2.0 community where a bunch of my emails were getting republished as full uh, blog posts without my permission. All this to say, you know, it is so exhausting, and I, and I don't make much money doing this. Uh, you know, ad ad rev, as I said in the said in a blog post recently, ad revenue across the board for all websites is down just because of the nature of how ad revenue works. You know, that's down. Uh, you know, I I do sell webinar services and training services, and I make some money from that. But I, you know, for the most part, this is a you know labor of love, really. Uh, you know, I'm certainly not getting rich doing this. I, I teach full time. I'm back to teaching full time, and you know, through the web, through the work on the websites, um, you know, I end up making about as much as a, you know, an elementary school principal does. You know, so I'm definitely not getting rich doing getting rich doing this. And elementary school principal in Maine, I should state, not an elementary school in uh, an affluent area. <laughs> elementary school in Maine, uh, in my school district. I, you know, I look, at, I know the pay scale. We're about the same. So all I have to say that, you know, sometimes I, and increasingly because of all the other commitments in my life, I start to wonder, you know, should I just make my blog accessible only through my newsletter, you know, and just publish my weekly newsletter? 18,000 of you are kind enough to subscribe to the newsletter and and many of you email me back, and I really appreciate it. And increasingly, many more of you are listening to the podcast, and I really appreciate that as well, and watching the YouTube channel. So I'm well. I'm open to feedback on that. You know, what do you think about me moving it to being accessible only via via the newsletter? Uh, it seems like it's really the only way to protect the content these days. You know, and maybe just occasionally publish a blog post as opposed to you know making multiple blog posts per day and just you know doing kind of a summative once a week newsletter uh, maybe make the newsletter a little bit a little bit bigger or something to that effect or password protecting the blog post uh, and, which could turn out to be quite the boondoggle for me to manage <laughs> passwords for people but you never know so some thoughts I'm, I'm thinking about and i'd love to hear your feedback on it 
So from my classroom, some thoughts from my classroom this week, and I realize this podcast is probably going to get a little bit long, but some thoughts from my classroom. I've been now back in my classroom full-time for a month, uh, and we're starting to get into a good groove. My students are getting into a good groove. Uh, you know, They know what to expect from me, just in terms of how I manage the classroom, how I set up the day. They know what to expect from me. I know ex- I know more about what to expect from them and their needs and where they're they're at. It's making it a heck of a lot easier for me, especially this week. It seems like this was the week that we kind of, okay, it's starting to click. Uh, and this week it really be, became uh, kind of easier <laughs> to let them work on different projects. They're all different paces and different places in their projects. So it was a good week that way, a really, really good week that way. Uh, as I wrote in a blog post earlier this week, I've also been using this spreadsheet method to keep kids organized on some of their projects. It keeps them organized, it keeps me organized, and it lets me see where they are and what they need and you know things they're trying. And, you know, particularly in the classes, I have a couple of classes that have uh, 12 or 13 students who are doing different things at different times, different places, makes it easy for me to pop in and go, okay, Billy, what are you working on here? Or Everett, what are you working on here? Or, you know, Josh, what are you working on here? Where are you stuck? I can see all that stuff in the spreadsheet at the end of the day, so that's really helpful for me. And one other thought from my classroom, deer hunting season starts tomorrow here in Maine. Culturally, you know, that's a thing that a lot of people do where I live in Maine. Uh, it's, you know, it's just a tradi- it's a tradition. Many of my students are going out hunting with their families. You know, father, grandfather. You know, in many cases it's three generations, or in some cases four generations. They go out together on opening day. I also hunt. Uh, that's not why I'm bringing this up, though. I'm bringing it up because uh, you know. We all have students in our classrooms that are interested in things or, or are passionate about things that you know, we might not agree with, might be opposed to in some way, or maybe we're just not interested in. You know, I've had plenty of students who politically are interested in, in politicians who, you know, I don't like at all. <laughs> but we got to let them talk about it. You know, if they want to engage you in something you know, and this is ha- this happens to me. This happened to me that just this week with a student who was uh, talking about a political candidate who I, you know, don't agree with at all uh, or much of. But you know, I let her talk, let her say her piece, you know, engage as much as I could without giving away any kind of bias on it. We've got to let those students talk. Got to let them talk because if we if we try to shut down the conversation or you know argue against them now obviously if it's not the appropriate timing you know if they bring it up in the middle of your lesson about slope intercept form that's not the time to talk about it but you know if it's the beginning of class end of class or some other you know some other time when you we have that flexibility to talk about it uh, shutting down the conversation or arguing with them is you know that just turns off the student and it makes it harder to build that bridge harder to get them into that learning groove. I've seen it, and I've seen it go both ways, and I'm not perfect. I've certainly made that mistake in the past, and trying not to make the mistake again. So, uh, now if you're anti-hunting and you want to tell me why, feel free to send me an email. <laughs> I'm happy to listen to your, listen to your thoughts. All right, so 
Now let's move in to questions from readers, listeners, and viewers like you. First question came from Isabel. Isabel e <clears throat> emails me all the time. Thank you, Isabel, for so many of your questions. Uh, she says, hello, Richard. Perhaps you can help me. What is the best way to create some quiz questions in a YouTube video? Thanks, Isabel. So, Isabel, I'm going to give you the recommendation that I've been giving to people for many years. Uh, most, one of the most reliable tools out there, Edpuzzle. You'll find it at edpuzzle.com. You can take a YouTube video and add questions to the timeline of the video. You can also just add notations to it. Great tool. My second recommendation would be to check out classhook.com. So edpuzzle.com or classhook.com. Edpuzzle is a little more robust, has, has more features at this time, but classhook is also a good option. Both of those I like. Question that came from Stephanie, who wrote, Thank you for all the tips through Free Tech for Teachers. I'm an elementary computer teacher. I find them very helpful, as well as for the other teachers in my school. Thank you. I was wondering if you had any solutions for working around Adobe Flash. A lot of Flash questions these days. I need to go through several steps on each student computer on each site that uses Flash in order to enable it every time. I know it's being phased out, but many of the sites we use still use, use it. Our IT company has the computers in deep freeze, so I'm unable to keep the settings to allow flash each time. They've told me they're unable to make these changes because it'll be un undone each time Chrome updates. Any ideas? So, Stephanie, unfortunately, I don't have good news for you there. Uh, if your IT company has that set and they're right, every time Chrome updates, you're going to have to do this again. And I've experienced it myself. There's a program that my sophomore computer science students are using that has some flash features in it and hopefully it's a Cisco product so hopefully Cisco <laughs> fixes it soon. Uh, yeah so unfortunately I don't have good news for you there. You're kind of stuck with that situation right now. Hopefully those sites you're using that are using Flash are going to convert to HTML5 pretty soon so that you don't have to worry about this. Maggie sent me a, a great question. Uh, have you heard of Mr. Al? What are your thoughts about it? So she said, so in New Mexico, we are getting the program for free, but as a teacher ambassador, I'm required to add lots of stuff and gain lots of followers. I'm mixed on it as well, but I was hoping you were on there so I could share share you with the teachers out there. I'm tasked for writing resources and sharing resources, and your blog is one that I want to share with the teachers in my state. Thank you in advance, Maggie. So Mr. Al, if you're not familiar with Mr. Al, I'll bring it up on the screen here for those watching the video, MrAl.com. It's a new service. They call it a social cloud storage service. And it's designed for people to upload their files and share them with others. And you get unlimited cloud, store, unlimited cloud storage. But only if you make those files public. So it's not a replacement for Google Drive. And part of it that it, 
and I'm not trying to bash this service, but part of it that kind of turns me off, when you go in to look at the storage plans, you'll see that you, your public storage is unlimited, but your private storage is only 10 gigs. And they're going to put advertising against those files that you make public. So Mr. Al is getting tons of free content that they can then put ads against or put ads next to. Uh, and you have no control over that. So you're not really getting any benefit from this other than free storage, but if you're a Google Apps for Education school, you can already do that. Uh, now, if you're trying to get promotion for your materials, well, you could do that with a blog, you could do that on Twitter, you could do that in other places, you could put it on Pinterest. And on Pinterest, you don't have to put up the full file, you can just put up the link to the file. Okay. Um, so, you know, I really, I know there are some people who love it. I am not a big fan of it. Uh, I just, you know, something about it just doesn't sit right with me. And really that thing is that you're required to make your, your files public if you want to get more storage or you pay them if you want to get more storage and they put advertising against your, against your stuff. Uh, so they're getting free content to build more, pages and build more advertising against so uh, and if you don't do that then you have to pay them ten dollars a month or hundred dollars a year so, that's my baseline thoughts about mr owl and if you're looking to get promotion for your materials and you want to try to sell your materials then by all means you know you can do that on teachers pay teachers which i don't particularly like but you could do it there or tez or you know, any number of other communities or even set up your own website and use woocommerce which is if you have a little bit of background in WordPress, Word WooCommerce is a good way to sell your own materials through your own WordPress site, or eJunkie through your own WordPress site, or eJunkie through your own blogger site even. Okay, so another question. This one came from Jennifer, who wrote, I would really like them to capture their own 360 photos they all have Android, Google Play, Chromebooks on a phone. Users can open and capture 360 photos using cardboard camera. They can, by the way, they can also use the Street View app. But students can't use phones in school. I've had my IT folks add cardboard camera for students and teachers in the list of apps showing under Google Play. But it shows that it isn't compatible with the Chromebook device. And on another Chromebook, it didn't install, but the camera is not an option as it states that it isn't compatible. You know, there's a workaround for this. Are you able to install a cardboard camera on your Chromebook and use it to capture 360 photos? So this is one of the, not a problem. So one of the challenges of Chrome of Chromebooks is that there are so many iterations of Chromebooks and their compatibilities that this is not a one answer fits all solution. What I said to Jennifer is you might want to try uh, hooking up an external webcam, just a, you know, it could be a cheap you know, $15 external webcam to that Chromebook with the app installed. And try it that way, uh, but it all depends on the Chromebook itself on whether or not you'll actually be able to capture and access the camera. That's really the it all comes all kind of comes down to those permissions and those and those uh, those options again. Kind of depends on the Chromebook and how the Chromebook itself is managed. All right. Norman 
asked me a question. I wonder if you could help me. Is there a Chrome extension that works to make green screen images? I do not need it to be video enabled, which seems to take more power and are not free. Links to, this is a great video on Wii Video. Uh, I can do it on my phone with the Octopus green screen app, but I want kids to do it. Norman. So Norman, uh, it's not a, not a Chrome extension, but if you were to use either Remove BG or OnlinePhotoScissors.com, and if you're watching the video of this, I'll bring it up here, Online.PhotoScissors.com. Uh, if I spell Photoscissors, there you go. Both of those tools, OnlinePhotoScissors.com and RemoveBG will let you take the background out of any picture, strip the background out, and just leave the person or the object, the, the focal point of the image there in place. I've used both tools, Photoscissors, uh, Online.PhotoScissors.com gives you a little bit more control over what gets removed and what doesn't get removed. Remove BG is easier at baseline to use. They're both easy to use, but Remove BG is slightly easier to use. Photo Scissors gives you more controls. Both are free, both are good options. I've used them both to do exactly what you're describing. So that was the question from Norman. Now, if you have any questions for me, feel free to send me an email, richard at burn.media, or if you want to give me some feedback on today's podcast, anything I said in today's podcast, feel free to send me an email, richard at burn.media. This is one of the longest podcasts I've recorded of just myself so far. So if you've listened all the way to the end, thank you so much. And I'll see you next week for another episode of the Practical EdTech Podcast. Have a great weekend.